like we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. We don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Hey. See? In more sense. What? You said hey after I said your name. Fine. Sure, Perfect. whatever. Um, Dude, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think I think you're making a, a big me, deal man. out of something that's not a big deal. Probably. Like I don't think anybody even noticed or cared <laughs> until you had to just start talking about it. That's what I think. No, that's true. Everybody has their own things that like don't actually matter, but they yes. care about. And that was yes. one of them. For that me. was one of them. Because yes. I, I doubt anybody else even noticed. Probably not until I brought until it up. Until you brought it up. Exactly. Uh, we're going to have a fun show today. Hopefully they're all fun. But uh, at 3.40, we're going to talk to Mark Daniels. We're going to continue on with our KU football early season opponent previews. UCF is next on the list. We will not be calling them Central Florida. We will not be calling them the Golden Knights. They are the Knights. Both those things are no-nos. They get mad about that. Also get mad if you don't if you say they didn't win the 2017 national title. So we're going to be on our best behavior. Not going to do any of that. Nick. Central Florida. What? Nick. What? Uh, we're going to have RCST trivia coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, three matchups today. I'll say this, one of them goes to overtime, and another one, we had a, a crazy thing. So and we'll just leave it at that. not just one overtime. Yes, that is right. We'll just, uh, KU we'll Mailbag, it. coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, so you can submit questions at RCST 1320. Right off the bat here, though, we continue on with another KU football positional preview. We're going to work to the interior of the defensive line. RCST is brought to you, by the way, by 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence. So, so we're officially done with the offense yes. and the special teams. Mm-hmm. Onto the I think for the offense and special teams, we did not say that they would be worse for one position. Yeah, okay, wait. So let's track it. Officially, we said with the quarterbacks, I think I said the same. I think I said You said better. better. I don't know. Okay, let's just say, okay, same for quarterbacks. I don't remember. I think we said same for running backs. Dude, I have such a bad memory. Receivers, we said better. Yes. Tight ends, we said better. Offensive line, we said better. Yes. And so then we think teams we said better too. Yes. So basically, we think the offense should be better, but I think a little bit better. The special teams should be a lot better. You would hope. Let's see where we wind up with the defense. Okay. Okay. Interior defensive line first. Uh, the starters. Devin Phillips is a redshirt senior. He is your transfer from Colorado State. Had some good production last year. Didn't play as much. I think he was like preserving a redshirt. And uh, he's like a double wide, by the way. He is. He's gigantic. Is huge. Yes. Like you see, you know, like when you see double doors. He, like, fills up almost the whole double doors. Yeah, there's a rumor that the reason they uh, needed to do construction on the Anderson football complex <laughs> is to make bigger doors <laughs> for Devin Phillips to fit through. <laughs> the doors for him. He's a very big dude, but he's, like, he's not... You know how you see big, uh, like, football players sometimes, but they're, like, it's a big dude, but you're, like, is he going to be athletic? You're, yeah. like, is he just big, but he's not going to be able to move? Yeah. That's not Devin Phillips. He's big, but he has, like, an athletic look about him, and you watch the tape. He still has, like, a good quickness yes. and foot speed to him, which makes him so a he, very interesting he, he player. He could break me in half, and he could probably catch <laughs> yes. me. Yes. Yeah. I, if I you can't to run, run or hide <laughs> exactly. from Devin Phillips. Good no luck chance. with that. Uh, Tommy Dunn is a redshirt sophomore. Somebody who came in, redshirted his first year. Then last year, you know, there were a lot of veteran defensive linemen on this team overall. Sam Burt, gone. Eddie Wilson, gone. Caleb Sampson, gone. 
And so it was tough for him to get on the field. By the time they got to bowl practices, you heard a lot of good things about Tommy Dunn over the bowl practices. Yeah, and this is what I'm most intrigued by with this group this year is you look at last year's team, and yes, you did have some veteran guys. You had Sam Burt, who was like basically the dad, yeah. essentially. I he mean, wasn't just uh, uh, an important player for you production-wise. He was, was a leader. Your, yes, one of your one of your culture guys uh, in there as well, with, with Eddie Wilson as well and, and Caleb Sampson. But that being said, last year there were two guys that we actually did hear quite a bit about regularly, even though they weren't really high-impact players throughout the year. And that was Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers. Both those guys got brought up like enough times to where you, your ears perk up when you heard right. their name quite a bit, whether it was the coaches, whether it was, you know, Sam Burt was the guy that talked with the media a lot. He was he brought up those guys a lot. Like those were two guys that were brought up a lot last year as players that were coming along. This year it's not, this year they have a chance to prove it. They have a chance to they have a chance to go out and show that they are ready to, to take those roles. Because I think in the back of the minds of probably the KU staff, they would probably recognize like, hey, next year is going to be kind of a watershed year for the D-line on the interior because all of our veteran guys are going to be gone. So what's that going to look like? What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And they, they, they must be pretty comfortable with it because they have Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers. Now, the other thing is they did go out and get Devin Phillips, who I think you and I both expect will be a game one, day one starter. That's my expectation, yes. Um, I, I am viewing Tommy Dunn as being that other starter. Played 190 snaps last year, which honestly sounds more than I remember it being. He played 17 in the bowl game. Um, so he was actually working in there more than I remembered being. But, yeah, you heard so much about him and that he could develop into that next guy. So I'm expecting yeah. big things from him as a uh, redshirt sophomore here. That's who my expectation is as the starters. But, you know, that who knows? Maybe that could change. Now, as far as other guys who I think are either on the two deep or in real competition to be on that two deep, because obviously I'm going to list more than two guys here. Uh, Gage Keys, he is a redshirt sophomore. Uh, he is one of the two transfers that you have on the defensive line from Minnesota. Um, really good yeah, size. The problem is, I think he wasn't he dealing with injuries in the spring, so I he think didn't he get was. to play as much in the spring. Yeah, during spring ball. But this uh, this is a former, you know, I, I guess as a transfer, he was listed as a three star transfer, eighty six grade. That's pretty good. Six five two eighty. If he can continue to fill into the body, he's still just redshirt sophomore, so you have some good years left on him. But somebody who I I think is being seen as high potential to. I guess it wouldn't be crazy either if Gage Keys were like the strong side defensive end too, but um, I think I view him. Yeah, more that's kind of what tackle. I thought too. I, I yeah. thought there's a possibility he could be end up as like he could playing like the that, Michael or the yeah, Malcolm Lee, yeah, role. like more kind of a run run stopping edge type spot. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out for sure. Uh, DJ Withers is the other guy that we heard a lot lumped in with Tommy Dunn yeah. about his improvement, so he'll definitely get playing time, and that's part of this too on the two deep. Like some of these guys. Because there's more than two. Yeah, I mean, remember if you remember, we'll right, still play. Brian Borland talked a lot last year, each week, about how they they want to use a lot of guys. Like they want to rotate in fresh bodies because they know playing against some up tempo offenses, which is a lot of offenses in the Big Twelve, you need to be able to rotate and have uh, enough depth on the D line to where you can continue to almost sort of platoon style guys. It was Jim Panagos, the the defensive tackle coach, who said. If we have twelve good ones, we'll play twelve good ones. Yeah, you know, yeah. however many good ones, we're going to get them on the field in some way or another. Never hurts to have enough depth there to keep guys fresh, both from injury and fatigue over the course of a game, over the course of a season. Uh, Caleb Taylor is a junior. You know, he's someone who I remember going into last year, I was thinking he could be a breakout, possibly all Big 12 type of defensive tackle. It didn't end up happening, 
he was still solid overall, but I don't know. Maybe he didn't live up to quite the expectations that I necessarily had, which maybe were too high from the get-go. But maybe it's just a year later. Maybe that's something where Caleb Taylor can take that jump um, this year as a defensive player. And, you know, he's someone who started the year off well, had had a good game against Tennessee Tech, played well in the Houston game, played really well in the Iowa State game. But over the back half of the season, you look at some of the pro football focus grades and uh, they weren't too hot. So you go back to his 2021 season, which was his second year at KU, and then you look at the the pro football focus grades to 2022, it's basically identical from what he had. So you didn't have that that season of moving up necessarily. If that can happen this year, I still think there's enough pieces there that I don't think it would shock me if he's playing starter-level snaps if he can become that guy now as a junior. Um, Ron McGee, and technically he's a fourth-year junior for what it's worth. Ron McGee is a redshirt senior. He actually could have had his senior year last year. He decided to redshirt because KU had all those other veteran defense linemen to help make an impact on this year's team, former transfer from Buffalo. I'd imagine he'll rotate in at different points. And then Keenan Caldwell is a uh, redshirt sophomore on the team, and he's someone who uh, originally, I believe, from Louisiana, he's like 325 pounds. Uh, I think he played in 10 games last year. He actually started, uh, or, or not last year, in 2021. He started in like six games in 2021. So this is an experienced player who didn't play as much last year, but he could figure back, and he could factor back into the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, that gives you, with Caldwell, McGee, Taylor, Withers, Keys, Dunn, and Phillips, that gives you seven guys yeah. for for basically like right two, three spots. Two spots as starters. The third spot is the top rotational guy. The fourth spot is the second rotational guy. And then, realistically, you'll probably be rotating a majority of four or five guys with the other two maybe rotating in for a handful of snaps, really, when you need it. Yeah. But that's good depth to have. That is good depth to have. You feel good about at least the depth, I think, there. Do you have yes. many game changers? Do you have many difference makers? That'll be the real question about the defensive line. Yes. Um, then you have the next up conversation. We'll see if any of these guys can you know, get a, get a head start on stuff and maybe work themselves into being part of that group as well, or if they're more so going to be players that we're talking talking more about come 2024, 2025, and 2026. Marcus Calvin is the first of them. Uh, Marcus Calvin is one of your higher-rated recruits on the defensive line. He's a uh, three-star, um, six foot two, 290 pounds. That's something you always look for. When you're an incoming freshman, a lot of times guys need to come in and add weight. Like uh, The next guy we're going to get to is, is the case here. At 290 pounds coming in, he's pretty close to what his playing weight, I would imagine, or, yeah. or can get on the field. Yeah, they might even trim some of that down a little bit, build up some extra, you know, muscle and whatnot. Yeah, so he's somebody to keep an eye on, whether it's this year or maybe being that future Tommy Dunn, that you store away in your mind now, and come 2024, 2025, you're hearing good things about him, and, and he makes a splash by that point in time. Blake Harold is the other one for KU. He uh, joined the class, and I don't know. He might be more of a defensive end. Again, I don't know how they're going to use him. He came in at 6'4", 245 was his listing on his 24-7 sports page. Um, maybe he's going to be a defensive end. Maybe he's going to be a defensive tackle. So I just listed him here. I'm not totally sure. Either way, they're going to look to add weight to him. I don't expect him to really be hitting the field a ton this year. To me, he seems like a guy that maybe you get in a few games, maybe gets a red shirt, and then can be a, a long-term player for yeah, you. Yeah, this is a player, and I with football, I think it's so interesting. I mean, think about the luxury now of, let's say you want to redshirt a guy, you can still get him in games, right? right. You can still get him some live game experience and still be like, all right, now we're just going to have you redshirt for the next season. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's pretty 
incredible to have. And then you have others on the roster. Uh, Grady Seifert is a freshman, I believe, walk-on. Hank Kelly, redshirt sophomore, I think he's a former walk-on. And then Lance Bassett uh, from right down the street at Lawrence High School. He's a freshman. I think he is a walk-on, which actually, that's one of those players who he's got really good size, quickness. I've seen him play football and basketball. Yeah, He's one he of those was, players who I could see, if he is a walk-on, like earning a scholarship in a year or two. Yeah, I was about to say, he was, he was also a basketball player. So yeah. You know he's got good mobility, can move and run pretty well for playing basketball also. Uh, and somebody maybe to, yeah, exactly, maybe to keep an eye on to, to get a scholarship and who knows. Yeah. Uh, so biggest story, biggest question marks about this unit. The first one is you have a lot that you lost there. I mean, Sam Burt, Eddie yeah. Wilson, Caleb Sampson, those are all three players who were in your rotation. And in the case of, of Burt was a starter, Caleb Sampson, I can't remember if he was the, the full-time starter or not. But nonetheless, can you overcome the loss of those three players with either the guys you have back or the guys you brought in via the transfer portal? Yeah, and we touched on it with Sam Burt. Like, you're not only trying to overcome the loss of those players just from an on-field perspective, but those were guys that were also some, some big locker room guys. Sam Burton, Eddie Wilson, I think specifically. So you're trying to overcome those losses both production-wise on the field and also in your locker room as well. And it, it, I think really what could potentially elevate this this position group versus, or I guess the biggest linchpin in the group, is probably going to be Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers. If those guys turn out to be guys that are ready to step in and take that next step, this is a position group you probably end up feeling pretty good about. But if they are not quite ready or they don't necessarily show it consistently – and you're relying on a couple of transfers, basically, that could give you some issues, especially early in the season. Right. Well, it's like if Devin Phillips honestly might be the most known commodity here, which is crazy because he's yeah. a new player to your roster. Yeah. Um, the way I view it, if one of Tommy Dunn or DJ Withers can be Big 12 caliber level starter this year, that could be enough if you add that with Devin Phillips. And then if you say... Um, one of Caleb Taylor, Ron McGee, Keenan Caldwell, at least one of those can be Big 12 caliber starter. And then Cherry on top would be if any of the others, if Gage Keys can kind of do something, if the other of Withers are done, can put it together that you have that depth. Yeah. Maybe that can be enough for you. I view Gage Keys as maybe having the best potential as a pass rusher among this group, but I think Phillips might profile as the best like run stopper of this group. Yeah. Nonetheless, I do think it is possible to overcome those losses. Um, obviously, those are losses with not just having physically ready for Power 5 football, um, but also it weakens your depth when you lose that many guys. But you're also losing the leadership there. Like We got to talk a lot to Caleb Sampson yeah. uh, as media availabilities. Typically, the guys they bring out in media availabilities, it's either because you're really good and or you're a good like locker room presence and leader, yes. somebody the coaches trust, right? So that kind of tells you that Caleb Sampson is – you know, thought of very highly there. That's uh, something same you're losing with, in the leadership perspective. Sam Burt. Sam Burt, same thing. Eddie Wilson, same thing. Like, he was an older player that came over from Buffalo that was seen as being, like, kind of a trusted player in that position group. That's the biggest loss to me. I think from a, from a talent perspective, from a potential perspective, from a physical athleticism perspective, I think you can overcome what you lost with some of the guys you have back. Like, I think the ceiling for what Tommy Dunn could become, for what Gage Keys could become, is higher than those guys. Will you reach that? Will you reach that in year one? Will you reach the floor, though, of those guys? Will you reach the consistency of those guys? Will you have as much leadership in that position group? That becomes the real question to me for what you lost there. But I also don't view, you know, sometimes, sometimes we 
this just goes for across college football. When you're looking at teams or you're doing previews of teams and you're like, well, they only bring back five starters back on defense. <laughs> but And then you view it and they're like, some teams where it's like, well, they brought nine starters back. But what if those nine starters weren't very good? And that's that's not what I'm trying to say about Burt, Wilson, and Sampson. They were good players for you. But also, you had those three guys and you still struggled on the defensive end. Basically, what I'm saying is it's not impossible that even with losing those three players, this position group could actually be better than it was last year. Potentially. Um, well, think about it this way. With Lance Leipold and his staff, something that they've made a, a clear a clear goal of theirs is when they have a position group where they feel like there's they need to add to it, they do. They will in the transfer portal. And the, and, and the exhibit of this is on the D-line. They, they felt like they needed to add some guys, and they did with Devin Phillips and Gage Keys. And now that's not an indictment of – the returners, guys like Tommy Dunn and Jerry Withers, that's not to say that they maybe aren't good enough, but what that does mean is this is a position group that they were clearly had their eye on as a position a group of, yeah, we may need to go out and add some more guys. And mm-hmm. they did. The question is, will it pan out? Right. Uh, I guess the next part question I have here, is there a good pass rusher in this group? Do they need there know. to be one? I, I, th- I think Gage Keys can be more of a pass rush type guy, right? I think so. I guess the so follow-up, the do they at. need one? like, Or can you just count on blitzes, linebackers, defensive ends? And this yeah, is just I, the position to stop the run. Uh, yeah, that could be the way you approach it, and you just say, you know what, we're just going to blitz off the edge a bunch, trust our edge guys to get there, and that's it. But listen, if you can get an interior pass rush, that changes things a lot because what do quarterbacks want to do? They want to step up. And if they can't do that because you've got good guys pushing the pocket in the middle, that can definitely affect passing lanes and and quarterbacks. So, I, I don't know. I think it's definitely too early to say definitively one way or another that there is or is not anybody that's going to be a pass rusher on this in this of the guys we're discussing here. Uh, that's not to say that none of them could become that, but I'm not going to say confidently one way or the other that there is or isn't. Yeah, I, I don't really view it that way. I think your pass rush is going to come from the defensive ends, from, from blitzes. Uh, which to me means, can you at least be better against the run? Which is the next question here. Obviously, it's not just the defensive tackles. Defensive ends, linebackers, everybody needs to be a part of this on the defense. Yeah. Can can this group be better against the run than last year's? I think you feel good about Devin Phillips being able to take up bodies, stuff, run lanes, and whatnot. Uh, it's it's just going to come down to consistency. Right. right. Like, Can you consistently do that? Can you consistently take care of the run defense? Because, Derek, I mean, dude, we sat here every week. We had the same debate on Monday. Run defense. Fixed, not fixed. Right. We declared it fixed, if you recall. And then times. it turns out it wasn't fixed. <laughs> so we were even it, – it, that just goes to show the inconsistency they kind of had over the course of the year last year. So can you build a little bit more consistency? And, again, I don't, you don't have to be the best run defense. You don't have to be a top three, top five run defense in the league. You just need to be a little bit better than you were last year. Yeah. Uh, overall confidence scale, better, worse, or the same than last year? I don't think sitting here right now today you can say confidently better. I'm leaning more towards the same slash potentially worse. If DJ Withers and Tommy Dunn are ready to step in and, and step up, I think you're looking at the same. But as you said, they may have a higher ceiling to where maybe you might get to a situation where you do end up maybe being a little bit better. Yeah. But... If one or both of those guys maybe isn't 100% ready or doesn't quite slot in right away early in the season, it could be maybe a little worse. A little worse. I uh, 
the ceiling is better than last year's team. I will say that. The ceiling of this group is higher than last year's team. So if you reach that, it will be better than last year's. The floor, though, is also lower on this position group than it was last year. Last year, you had at least had a a power five caliber floor. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, there is a chance this year. What if we were like, oh, with Devin Phillips, oh, there's a reason he was in the Mountain West. Or with Tommy Dunn, it's like, ah, it's going to take another year of seasoning for his body to acclimate to power five football with him and Withers and stuff. Um, I'm going to actually go out on a limb here, though. I think that the easy one to say is just to say same, because if I do think the ceiling is higher, but the floor is lower, I could just stick in the middle. I'm going to actually go out on a limb here. I'm going to say they end up being a better unit. Wow. Okay. I don't really know why. I just am going <laughs> to trust the staff that another year of development for all these guys, a couple of the portal additions hit. Um, there's a part of me that wonders if this is going to be the position group that we're sleeping on, like the receivers last year that ends up actually being like quality, actually being like good. Could be. So I, I be. like, cause like if we think Devin Phillips is going to be really good and if Tommy yeah. Dunn turns into like all the hype that we've thought about, like that could be a better starting defensive tackle group than he had last year. Right. Yes. And you know, you still have the wild card of gauge keys and DJ withers. And like I said, I was high on Caleb Taylor last year. Maybe this is the year he makes the jump. So I'm going to actually go out on a limb and say better. Than last year, I'm gonna say same. Same is the safe potentially slightly worse. Okay, I, I think that's the the safe way to go about it. Um, but you did agree that higher ceiling, right? Yes. Okay. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our interior defensive line preview. We'll have the defensive ends tomorrow. If you missed any of our other position previews on the offense, special teams, you can find that in the best of RCST podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts. RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. We'll be back uh, to talk a little Chiefs football coming up on the other side. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Joined now by Mark Daniels, who is the play-by-play voice for the UCF radio crew. And uh, obviously, they'll be heading to Lawrence this year for the first half of the season. We continue on with our KU football early season previews. And UCF is next up in the ledger, their KU's sixth game of the season. I guess first things first, uh, Mark, just in terms of the pulse of UCF fans uh, joining the Big 12, moving up to the Power 5 level after a lot of really successful years in the American Athletic Conference. What is kind of the the excitement level and, and the thought process from uh, the local area? Well, there's a ton of excitement for UCF. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, if you're a longtime fan, you kind of wonder that this opportunity would ever happen. If you're a relatively new fan, then, you know, winning a bunch of games you just assumed was going to happen and, and uh, sometimes a little bit spoiled, but it's a great level of excitement for UCF fans for an opportunity to compete in a quality league like the Big 12 uh, to face the schedule that UCF's going to play. They know that it's a step up in competition. I think Gus Malzahn has done a really good job the last couple of years of building a roster. You know, Gus got here and at the time didn't know we were headed to the Big 12, but was elevating his level of recruiting. And then when the news came, I think took it several steps higher. So I think Gus has done a good job as far as using the portal as well as recruiting a better caliber of high school players to position the roster uh, to compete. But from a fan standpoint, you know, it's incredibly exciting to see the teams that are going to come to the bounce house in Orlando to go to some of the great places that UCF will play this year. So I think they're ready to go for an exciting season. Obviously, this won't apply for football this year with UCF coming to Lawrence, but whenever KU does play um, down there, do you have any recommendations for fans when they're going out and making the visit for the first time? 
Well, we'd like to think that we might be one of the most attractive destinations in the Big 12 for fans to come for football games. Uh, we kind of think we're the four-day weekend because of everything that Orlando offers from theme parks and uh, you know, great food and beaches to the left and right. So we think we're one of those destinations at the Thursday uh, through Sunday uh, trips. So there's no shortage of things to enjoy, uh, like I said, from our uh, world-class theme parks and hotels and great restaurants and uh, as I said, not that far from either beach. And then we think we're going to get you at a, you know, a, a pretty interesting and raucous uh, place. The bounce house is unique. We know that there are many great traditions at other places within the Big 12, but UCF's not been around as long as some other places. But since that stadium opened in 2007, it's established a pretty good reputation for the noise level. UCF's success there, uh, it does bounce. Um, it was built that way. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it, it's a pretty unique atmosphere that we look forward to having Big 12 teams come in, no disrespect to the American, which was a great conference for UCF, but uh, the visiting uh, ticket uh, allotment was rarely sold out, but that's not the case. Every Big 12 game is sold out for us this year. We anticipate that, uh, you know, for every game because of great fan bases that uh, are going to travel well and certainly travel to Orlando. Offensively, John Reese Plumley kind of headlines uh, the returners. We've seen this UCF offense be lethal, whether – it was in the days back with McKenzie Milton on to what Josh Heupel did and, and has carried on to Tennessee. Now with Gus Malzahn and a bit of a different iteration, but still ultra successful with kind of that dual threat quarterback leading the helm. Uh, what are the expectations for what Reese Plumley could provide this year uh, as both a passer and a runner and the overall expectations for the UCF offense? Well, I mean, my first year doing UCF was in 1995, and that was Dante Culpepper's first year, and uh, they've had a pretty good run of quarterbacks over the years, and Florida has a lot of skill, a lot of speed, so uh, building an exciting offense regardless of the system has not been um, a challenge. And you're right, obviously, from Scott Frost and, and, and McKenzie Milton and Josh Heupel to what UCF had, and now with John White's Plumley in a second year for Gus Malzahn, I think he's going to be just significantly better, and he was pretty good last year when healthy. But I think he's going to be significantly better because it's another year playing quarterback. You know, when John Rice was recruited to Old Miss, he was a quarterback that was more run first pass, and and he played it well at Old Miss until Lane Kiffin came in and changed the offense and moved to wide receiver. So he comes to UCF and played quarterback in better than two years, and got acclimated back in the position. And the start of the year was very very successful. They got banged up and just wasn't the same type of player. But another year under his belt of the position, UCF has brought in its uh, a former quarterback in Darren Henshaw that's been a successful coach a number of other places, but now is the OC. And they've surrounded him with, I think, a lot of talent. UCF upgraded its offensive line via the portal with a couple of guys coming back, bring back an arsenal of running backs. R.J. Harvey has really blossomed in a potential pro prospect. Um, DeMarcus Bowman was a five-star recruit that's uh, landed at UCF via the transfer portal. And the same deal of wide receivers where they've upgraded. So he's going to have weapons that the game isn't going to rely all on his ability. Uh, but I do think you'll see him run a little bit less uh, to protect him. He's still a run threat, and he'll be the fastest player in the field probably every game that UCF plays, including their opponent. So he is a threat there, but um, I think they've surrounded him with enough weapons to, to kind of make it such that it's not just him. Uh, but UCF does like to fling it downfield. I think we'll see him go vertical a little bit more this year because of what they've done at wide receiver. And I do think their line is better, but that line now is going to face a different caliber of defensive lines by stepping into the Big 12. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, positionally, what do you think is the biggest strength for that unit? And, and what maybe do you have the most questions about for the defense? Well, uh, uh, front and backside, I think, are going to be UCF strengths. They return a good core of players uh, uh, from a solid defensive line the last couple of years. 
uh, and then added some uh, very talented young players, even a couple of freshmen that are going to get a chance to probably be part of that rotation. On the backside, UCF brought back a number of players, and they added, they really upgraded, I think, uh, their secondary through experience of guys coming back, hit the portal. They grabbed the uh, the nation's leader in interceptions last year, a kid from Middle Tennessee State, got a Clemson transfer uh, that's come down to join them as well. Um, so I think the secondary is solid. The area at linebacker, Jason Johnson, returns. He was an all-conference player in the uh, American last year, and, and, and he said for a very big season. But they were thin there. Coming out of spring, UCF really did not have a lot of depth in that position, but they upgraded. They got a big transfer from Georgia that's going to step in and help them out. So I think that's the area where you're still trying to see where your depth is there. Uh, but I think their front and backside um, are solid. UCF uh, last year played a lot of four-two-five. I think even with a new defensive coordinator, you still may see some of that. Um, and I think they feel like they're strong uh, up front on the backside. We'll see what happens at linebacker. But Johnson's a really good one coming back. I do think they got two transfers that are going to help them uh, there as well. Nine wins last year, really successful season, obviously in a conference that Tulane ended up beating USC in a New Year's Six bowl game. Um, overall, the schedule in the conference kind of moving up a little bit here. Who knows what the impact will be on the win total. But I guess just in, in terms of do you expect this team in a vacuum to be better, worse, or, or about the same from what it was a year ago? Well, look, last year's team, uh, and injuries happened, last year's team was really banged up the last half of the season. Uh, had a really awkward game against Navy that never should have gone the way that it did. Give credit to Navy. UCF stayed mathematically, um, uh, well, not mathematically, but rankings-wise in, 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 in the playoff committee's uh, poll to stay in contention and then get to the conference uh, championship. They won at Tulane early in the season. But a banged-up quarterback, they were just not a factor in the conference championship game, and Tulane earned uh, the win. I think the team is better than they were last year because of some of the changes and experience with John Wright's Plumley. It's a much tougher schedule, obviously, because of the competition that they're going to face. So on paper, I think UCF is a better football team. There's a couple of challenges of, one, just the schedule and quality of opponents, and two, no Power 5 team will hit as many miles as UCF will this year. They'll travel almost 15,000 miles to play road games this year. We have a non-conference road game at Boise State the second week of the year. Um, that's not easy. Boise's going to be really good this year. We beat them a couple of years ago at our place. That's a tough football game. So before UCF begins conference play, they'll have that tough road game at Boise. And then just, again, the distance. And it's part of, you know, the, the, the league that UCF has joined. You know that. The Boise uh, a, a game adds the mileage to it, but it's a lot of mileage. So that, I think, is a factor. The ninth conference game is a factor. I do think that week-to-week grind in a, a quality league like the Big 12 is much more challenging than the American. It, again, no knock. There were some places that you played in front of very few people, not a tough atmosphere, and you felt like those were guaranteed wins. Uh, that's not the case the Big 12. There's no easy wins. I think UCF understands that. So, again, I think they're better on paper. I think they'll be a better team. Does that translate to the same number of wins? That's a different story that we'll uh, you know, find out in the course of the next several months. We, as both these teams, UCF and Kansas, are, are kind of being picked close to each other in a lot of different preseason polls, whether it's the Big 12 Media One or you look at some of these preseason magazines. And, you know, one of the games that we've kind of been looking at is, is trying to figure out what happened in the bowl game for the uh, UCF-Duke game because that's a Duke team that the Kansas beat last season. Um, going back to what you just kind of talked about there with the team kind of being beat up, what exactly went wrong for UCF in the bowl game against Duke? Uh, John Rice Plumley got hurt five weeks earlier. So, um, 
It, uh, I mean, again, Duke won the football game. Uh, that's a good Duke team that's going to win games this year. They got an NFL prospect, a quarterback. They just signed their coach to an extension. And um, that's a team that's going to uh, win some games in the ACC. And they were the better team that day. No excuses. UCF was missing a number of players that didn't play in that bowl game uh, for injuries. And a couple of other uh, players opted uh, not to play. But, you know, UCF suffered a number of injuries in, in their eighth and ninth game that really kind of took the backside of that season. Again, the loss to Navy. Um, Plumley was really banged up. Mikey Keene, who had been a, a quarterback for UCF, the last couple of years, came in and played and, and, and was efficient. Um, and then Keen did, opted to not burn a red shirt, so he chose to not play in the conference championship game, um, w- which is fine. That was his decision. John Rice Plumley really had no business playing. I mean, he, he wanted to play, went out there and played, but uh, in the first series you could see he was a shell of himself. You see it pulled the red shirt off of a freshman quarterback because they just needed some help. So that was the conference championship game. Plumley didn't heal much better in, in, in three weeks. So we literally went to play up in, uh, 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 you know, at Navy in 35 degree weather with a quarterback that was 30, 40% of what you had hoped um, he'd be. So again, not excuse. Duke earned the uh, victory that day. But um, unfortunately, what's happened is I think anybody knows in college football, what we've done to a number of these bowl games is between injuries and guys opting out. You're getting a shell of teams that uh, you know you had played during the regular season. So, you know, I, I think you want to see the true UCF team, the squad that was at one point eight and two. That uh, you know, when when John Rice Plumley was healthy, um, was a much more efficient offense. Took the first half of the season. You know, he was on pace to throw for probably thirty five hundred yards, thirty touchdowns, and rush for twelve, thirteen hundred yards. But injuries are part of the game, and and. Same thing this year. The same thing, I think, for Kansas. If, if Kansas star quarterback goes down with an injury, they're not the same team. If UCF loses John Rice Plummer this year, they're not the same team. For sure. Uh, when you look at this matchup in week six of the season, I don't know if you've even thought that far ahead or anything like that, but is there anything that sticks out to you about UCF's uh, trip to Lawrence? What a really good quarterback. <laughs> um, look, I think that uh, – uh, uh, Anybody watching from a, a, a casual distance certainly can respect what's happened at Kansas with a football coach, mind you, that um, almost had a connection to UCF in the sense that mm-hmm. uh, Danny White, the AD at UCF, before he went to Tennessee, Lance worked under him. And, um, you know, before Danny left to go to Tennessee, uh, there were rumors about Josh Heupel and other jobs, and, and many people felt Lance would have been choice one. Uh, you know, for, 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 for Danny, but Danny left first, then took Josh. So I think you have to respect the job that he's done in a short time of building a culture, upgrading the talent, and, uh, you know, the king college football, find a star quarterback that can make plays and make people miss. So um, it'll be a challenging football game, obviously, going on the road. Uh, who knows what both teams are going to be like by the time you get there. But I just think from a UCF standpoint, it's just a respect for the league that I've seen from a distance watching that top to bottom, and I'm not saying it because UCF's in the league now. It's been the case the last couple of years. It's the deepest league in the country. Other leagues may be top-heavy, but I'm not quite sure that anybody else could turn out an eighth- or ninth-place team uh, as good as what the Big 12's had because of the level of competition and how close teams have been. Well, uh, I've seen some stuff on social media. People not happy if you call UCF Central Florida. Uh, you've pointed out to me that it's it's going to be nights now, not golden nights. Is, is there anything else that, that we need to be uh, aware about with UCF joining the conference here in the Big 12? 
Yeah, it's UCF, uh, not Central Florida. We got rid of the Golden about uh, 15 years ago, so it's just nights. And uh, we likely will be the most hated fan base in the league because <laughs> of just the nature of our younger core. Remember, UCF is the uh, – look, it, it's the youngest alumni group in the country, and yet it, it's it's becoming – uh, the largest, um, you know, people may not know, UCF has 70,000 students. Um, and uh, UCF will turn out a quarter million graduates every decade. And that will make it one of the largest alumni bases in the country in the very near future. So even though we haven't been around 150 years, haven't played football as long as a Florida, Florida State, uh, the number of UCF fans and alums continues to grow. And I think it'll be fun to watch uh, UCF fans engage hopefully civilly uh uh with fan bases of uh, other big 12 schools it's hopefully all in good fun and like i said i think people will enjoy when they come to orlando i think we'll be one of the desired destinations just because of our locale and i, I i've been blessed to broadcast at uh, more than 300 campuses in my almost 30 years around the country i've not done a game yet uh at lawrence i've been to kansas state i've been uh, to a few other places in the big 12 in oklahoma so when we head to Lawrence, that'll be my first trip there, and I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to hosting you here, and uh, maybe we can catch up once you get in town, or if you have any needs for recommendations, we can uh, shoot you the right way. Mark, I appreciate the time here and helping uh, give us the early preview of UCF, and have a great rest of your day, man. Thank you very much. See ya. That was Mark Daniels, play-by-play voice for the UCF Knights, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Certainly, it'll be an uh, interesting matchup with Jalen Daniels and uh, John Rice Plumley between the two quarterbacks. We'll talk more about that game as we get closer, but uh, the next up on the schedule, we'll work to the back half of the season as part of our KU football early season previews. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have three RCST trivia matchups coming at you today. And uh, we have the defending champ, Michael Plank. We've got a couple of newcomers. We have three newcomers, Cooper's playing Michael. And then we have a battle of newcomers with uh, a buddy of yours, Jackson Schneider versus Taylor Morgan later. And then a top 10 matchup with Isaac Henderson and Kyle Coffey. So it should be a fun day of uh, trivia here. Yeah, some very exciting matchups. Isaac Henderson, obviously, this is his football debut, right? Right. He got ranked 10th, but we don't (laughs) totally know. You know, how much of it, how much of it is there a correlation between his incredible knowledge, right? Because like in the eyes of some people, him being ranked 10th is ridiculous because if he's as good in football as he is in basketball, he should be in the top right. two or three. Probably. Yeah, it's almost splitting the difference. He should either be way higher or he should not be ranked at all yes. based on merit, right? Yes. So 10 is almost the worst one to rank him at. Yeah. It's almost like stake your flag one way or another. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm excited about this matchup too yeah. with, with Michael coming back uh, as the defending champion. Uh, I love it. The people on the on the radio can't see this, but every time we do these, he always makes sure to have his trophy like <laughs> placed perfectly in the screen on the zoom to where you can very clearly see it so he's definitely really proud of his trophy and I think he's probably looking to, to go back to back right because so Isaac is the undisputed goat of basketball basketball yeah. right now but if Michael Plank goes back to back in football he's the he's the goat in football right yeah no question absolutely I mean right now he has to be the goat in no, football yeah exactly. he's our only champion right <laughs> exactly but yeah if he if he were to lose then I guess it leaves it open for debate at that point in time so yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, legacy is on the line, not just prizes and opportunity, but legacy on the line for Mike Blank. <laughs> All right, let's get into our first matchup. RCST football trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, and McDonald's. It's our first trivia matchup of the day between the defending champion, 
number one in our preseason rankings because he finished last year number one. Michael Plank taking on Cooper Wright, who is a newcomer into this event. Michael, I want to start with you. You were the defending champ. You went five and one a season ago. You scored 107 points and worked your way through to eventually win the first ever RCST Football Trivia Championship. Uh, now that you're back for year two, do you feel higher expectation? Do, do you feel pressure of having to repeat this year? Well, I mean, I, that would be fun. I, I would love to do that. But, um, I mean, you, so much of it is just luck, right? We saw that on Monday and Tuesday. I, I've been studying a little film, you know, from earlier this week. So, uh, uh, but it's just, you know, when the questions come at you and what questions you get, so much of it is luck. And when we had a good run last year and we're just hoping to make another good run this year. Cooper, this is your first ever football trivia matchup. So, I guess first things first, how would you classify, like, why did you become a KU football fan and and – I don't know. What is your level of fandom? Oh, well, I grew up in Lawrence. So, I mean, I just was watching the Jayhawks from ever since I was little. And, uh, you know, I've always had watched their games uh, wherever I've been. Um, so, yeah, just uh, kind of comes natural. And so, yeah, I've just always been a fan. And I'd say I have solid knowledge of uh, the Jayhawks. Well, it's certainly a tough draw to, in your first matchup, get Michael Plank. Obviously, uh, you know, even whichever one of you loses this matchup can still make the playoffs. So everything is in front of you after that. Uh, Cooper, because you are the newcomer, I'm going to give you the option here on the coin toss. Do you want heads or do you want tails? Um, I'll go tails. All right. Tails it is. I think that's been the most popular pick. It is heads this time, though. And that means, Michael, you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, we will defer. We'll, uh, we'll play defense first. Okay, cool. I just realized because we had this yesterday. Somebody said defer. And I guess technically that would mean Cooper would have the choice, but you said play defense first, so I'm guessing that means you want to go second. I'll go second. Okay. Let's be more clear. <laughs> okay. No, because I, th I think that came up last year, and somebody was like, well, then I'll go first. And I was like, well, I don't know. But okay. So, Cooper, you're going to go first. Michael, you're going to go second. And we're going to start in the easy round of questions. This is the first quarter of play. These are worth three points. Cooper, first name Marcus, this Jayhawk receiver led KU in receiving yards during the 2007 season. Marcus. Is it Marcus Johnson? Fortunately, the correct answer with that one is Marcus Henry. Marcus Henry was the team's leading receiver for the uh, Orange Bowl team in 2007. All right, Michael, you got a chance here to get an early lead in your first quarter play. First name, Anthony. This Jayhawk offensive tackle was an All-American during the 2007 Orange Bowl season. Uh, Anthony Collins. Yep, Anthony Collins, stud All-American for uh, for their team. All right, 3-0 lead for you, Michael. That's all right, Cooper. You got plenty of time to make up for it. Second quarter, this is where the real points start coming in. This is worth six points, your medium question. On KU's final play of 2022, Jason Bean overthrew what wide receiver on a two-point conversion try in the Liberty Bowl? Um, was it Lawrence Arnold? It was Lawrence Arnold. Good bounce back for you there. Yes, Lawrence Arnold. I think it was uh, Mason Fairchild who was wide open inside, but he ended up targeting Lawrence Arnold, who's kind of run into the uh, corner, and obviously that did not go well for KU. All right, there's your first points of trivia, Cooper. Mike, your chance to take the lead into halftime. That play that Jason Bean overthrew Lawrence Arnold made KU lose 55-53 to in the Liberty Bowl. One overtime prior, though, to get it there, KU scored a touchdown and then converted a two-point conversion 
to tie the game at 53 on a pass from Jalen Daniels to who? I honestly don't remember, so I'm going to guess Luke Grimm. The correct answer, you might kick yourself for this one. Uh, it's the two-point conversion hero, the legend, Jared Casey. Jared Casey. Jared of course Casey. it was. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, we got a back-and-forth one. This is interesting. Six to three, Cooper leading as we head to the third quarter. Second half is where uh, champions are made. These are worth seven points into the hard round. Third quarter play, Cooper. What Jayhawk running back? owns the career record for most rushing attempts. Um, I'm going to go Gail Sayers. Not a bad guess. Use one of those with history. The correct answer is June Henley. June Henley, the right answer there. All right, Michael, you got another chance to uh, move back in front here if you can answer this hard question for seven points. What KU running back owns the school record for most 100-yard games in his career, doing so 17 times. Let's go with Tony Sands. That was a good guess. That seemed like it was an educated guess. I'm, I'm sure you had it narrowed down to a couple guys. What made you go with Tony Sands there? Well, I, I just knew I knew he had a couple of uh, single game records and uh, the rushing record there for a while, and I just seemed like a good guess. Well, it worked out for you. You lead 10-6 to six, headed into the fourth quarter, and as we've mentioned, the really hard round during the first week is going to be scorching how difficult it is. So you put yourself in a good position here. Cooper, your really hard question worth eight points to try to move back in front. Good luck. Kansas had three all Missouri Valley Conference picks in 1912. One was Bill Weidlin. Name one of the other two. Um, this is just going to be a guess. I'll just go. <laughs> I'll just go Jack Johnson. That's not a bad one. Jack Johnson, current quarterback on the KU team. Or no, it's Jack Jackson, which is uh, a... Yeah. Which is a great name. Great name there. Okay. Well, Michael, the good news is because of your hard answer, you have now secured the win. So the answers. Oh, yeah. The, the answers to that. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should do that. Harold Brownlee or H.E. Burnham were the two answers there that uh, could have worked. But as as we know, you know, both of you guys are still going to have a chance, win or lose from this. Cooper, you're going to have a chance to bounce back weeks after this. Michael, you'll have chances moving forward to keep this going. But total points do matter. So, Michael, even though you have you've clinched the win... You know, if you can be the first one to answer really hard, that would give you a leg up on your competition with having those total points. So we'll see if you can pull a miracle here in the really hard round. Mike, Kansas had three All-Missouri Valley Conference picks in 1913. One was Bill Weidlin. Name one of the other two. H.E. <laughs> uh, <-G>. Burnham. <laughs> No, he wasn't back that year. The correct no. answer is Will Burton or Butch Stewie. Or the two there. Uh, so don't feel bad again. The really hards are going to be like, we're just putting our foot down this first week. They'll, they'll get more gettable once we get to week two. Uh, but nonetheless, Mike, you come up with a 10-6 to 6 win. Cooper made you sweat a little bit there. At the end of the day, how are you feeling about your first performance here in 2023? Yeah, I guess I need to study my Liberty Bowl a little bit more. Um, I did know on Monday I knew one of the very hard ones, but uh, that's the only one, only one of the 
Do you know which one it was? So far, so yeah, I knew Emory Hicks back on Monday. Wow. Yeah, you guys. you got we got our work cut out for us this year <laughs> yeah you do like i said we'll make them a little easier uh once we get to week two next week we just we started doing it that way we figured it was fair if everybody had them that hard uh just for week one for continuity's sake uh cooper you just came a little bit short here it was a good effort the hit on the lawrence arnold one was a really good answer there are there are there any questions that you're kind of kicking yourself over or if if it would have been reversed that, that you might have got right uh, yeah, I, I actually, I knew the Jared Casey one. So I know, I know my recent history very well. I do need to, it's a good barometer to see what's going on. And, uh, I definitely need to study my, this, uh, K football team before I was born. So that's kind of what I need to know. Well, for sure. You, uh, will have more chances to make up for it and, uh, certainly get back into the playoff race. Mike, a uh, good start for you starting one and out. We'll see both of you guys next week. Appreciate you both joining to be a part of this. All right. Thank you. So, Michael, he he got uh, pushed a little bit there. I mean, he had to because with how hard the really hard ones were, yeah, yeah. he basically had to get his hard one right, and he nailed it. That was huge. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that he said he knew a really hard from earlier in the week. Crazy. That just gives you maybe a little bit of a sense of the the level of ability that we're working with with Michael. He right. clearly has a a wide, wide breadth of knowledge when it comes to KU football. And, and uh, yeah, but, no, he was challenged here. He was challenged by Cooper. Uh, the, the funny thing is, with with that is, you see this a lot with guys where when we have younger contestants uh, uh, in trivia, sometimes it is the the questions that go back before they were born where they struggle a little bit more. And you know if if that's the case for you, you know what you need to study, right? You you got to look and see because this is not a this is not trivia of this is not like modern trivia mm-hmm. in the last twenty years. This is encapsulates everything in K football history. Yeah. So you know there is going to be a lot of stuff where. There, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, nobody was alive in 1913, right. so you know, everybody has to study that, you know. But uh, yeah, it just gives you a little bit of taste of what you might need to, what you might need to study. Yep. All right, uh, we're going to take a timeout and get to more trivia. RCST trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Dine in, carry out, catering, all available. Check out the outdoor patio on a cooler day than maybe today. Try the Bill Self mac and cheese, the Haney turkey stack, any of the great menu items. You can honor the late great Hank Booth by getting the Hank Booth burger. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. More trivia next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We have our second RCST trivia matchup of the day here. This is week one of the season. RCST football trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, and McDonald's. Check out Jayhawk Trophy right down the street from our offices here on 6th Street in Lawrence. They do custom awards. You know, if you're looking for youth sports league trophies, if you're looking for a fantasy league trophy, if you just want a cool award or trophy or plaque, they do a bunch of other stuff too. And they're engraving experts. We have our tumblers with the RCST logo engraved in on them. Nick is drinking out of them. They're they're awesome, man. Yeah. No, yeah. It's it's it was one of the best purchases of my life, actually. <laughs> well, you can so you can get Basically anything engraved. If you have something that needs to be engraved, they'll engraved it and they'll they'll do a great job. So check it out with Jayhawk Trophy in Lawrence. This second matchup of the day features uh, a buddy of yours. We have Jackson Schneider versus Taylor yeah. Morgan, two newcomers. Yeah, so Jackson was Jackson also my, uh, former intern and part-time worker here at KLWN yes, back in the day. Yes, he and I were roommates back uh, when we went to KU together. So, do I have uh, to worry about you giving him any insider oh, knowledge? No, yes. no, 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 no. I want him to fail. Okay. I want him to lose. <laughs> it's more fun if he loses. Okay. So, so you, you don't, don't have, have to worry. About yeah, you don't have to worry about that at all. He he did reach out to me and was like, "Hey, what should I study?" And I just told him what I would tell anybody in this in this contest, which is 
I know we pull a lot of our questions pretty much from the media guide. That's right. So if you look at the KU Football Media, media guide, guide, box scores, you're going to see a lot of stuff that we uh, pull from Sports there. reference, yeah, knowing box how many scores, wins, coaches, past yeah. seasons, stuff like Obviously, that. Obviously, like for KU Football, like bowl history, uh, you know, things like that. Yes. So uh, we'll see how he does. Taylor Morgan's an unknown. He hasn't joined before in basketball or football. So we'll see how he does as well. Let's get into our matchup between Jackson and Taylor. The second matchup of the day, it's a couple of newcomers, Jackson Schneider and Taylor Morgan. This is in our Wednesday division, and this is actually a uh, non-conference matchup uh, between the two of these. So uh, non-divisional opportunity here, but still a chance to boost the resume, boost the record. And uh, all sorts of that stuff. Uh, Jackson, I want to start with you here. You graduated from KU. Uh, your friend of, of my producer, co-host, Nick Springer. Um, has he helped you at all? Ha do you feel extra prepared at all for, for this event? Oh, I, I think I should be mad at him. I think he, like, un like undersold it because I asked him for, like, tips. And I guess he, he so told me to study the media guide, but that's all he would give me. He didn't want to, like, give me any advantages or anything. So that's what I've been doing is just reading the media guide a little bit. But uh, definitely was hoping he'd give me a few more, like, tricks of the trade. All right. Well, uh, I guess good integrity by Nick. I was That was kind of me testing him <laughs> to make sure he's not giving away anything either. Uh, Taylor, this is your first time in trivia. What made you a KU football fan? What made you want to join this event? Uh, yeah, I just uh, grew up watching KU football. My dad's had season tickets my whole life, so uh, we've been going to games as long as I can remember, sitting through uh, empty stadiums and rainy days and all that. So just uh, I'm one of the sickos that's loved it my whole life. All right, well, this should be a fun matchup here. Um, Jackson, I'm going to give you the coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? Uh, I'll take heads. It is tails. So that means Taylor, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, I'll go second. All right. So Jackson, you're going to go first. We'll start in the easy round of questions. These are worth three points. You have 30 seconds to answer. I'll let you know when you have about 10 seconds left. We'll play a timer when you have about five seconds left. If it's, it's enough time that you have plenty of time to think through it, but also you can't just freelance yeah. all day. All right. These are worth three points. Jackson, what backup quarterback? took over for Jalen Daniels after he was injured last season. Jason Bean. That's right, Jason Bean, and he's back for another year, hopefully for KU's sake. They don't have to play him as much. Not a slight to him, but just so that Jalen Daniels can be on the field. All right, three points to lead us off. Taylor, your first question. What running back was KU's leading rusher last season? Uh, Devin Neal. Devin Neal is the correct answer. Led KU in rushing yards, and he is a running back. All right, 3-3, three to three, the score after the first quarter of play. We're going to move on to the second quarter. This is the medium round. These are worth six points. All right, first up, you, Jackson. This Jayhawk quarterback, running back, defensive back, and punter played at KU from 1959 to 1961, and it is the KU Ring of Honor is one of the greatest QBs to ever play in Lawrence. Uh, shoot. Is that John Hadel? That is John Hadel. Let's go. John Hadel, known for his uh, versatility as a player, started playing a ton of different positions and uh, ended up there. All right, Taylor, your medium round question to try to tie it headed into the halftime locker room. This Jayhawk quarterback from 1971 to 1973 led Kansas in passing for three straight seasons. 
He's also in the KU Ring of Honor as one of KU's all-time quarterbacks. Oh, man. Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, David James? David James is the correct answer. See, use the timer. You had enough time to work through it. You knew it. Nice. Got to get there. All right, nine to nine. We got a good one. I think this is the first time we've been tied heading into halftime. So uh, looking forward to the finish here. All right, into the hard round. Third quarter play. This is worth seven points. Jackson for you. Mark Mangino's first season was 2002. It saw what defensive back and punt returner go for a team best six interceptions that year? Man. Boy, I oof. don't know that I know this one. This is a tough one. Can you repeat the question? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have about 10 seconds. Mangino's first season saw what player lead the team with six interceptions. Gordon. Not a bad guess nope. with Charles Gordon. The correct answer, though, is Ramiz Johnson. Ramwise? I don't honestly know how to pronounce it. Um, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that one. That's all right. No, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for sure. All right, Taylor, your hard question for seven points in the lead. On the offensive side of the ball for that 2002 Jayhawks team, first year Mark Mangino, what wide receiver went for a team-best 39 catches, 490 yards, and five receiving touchdowns? Um, shit. Brandon Rito? No, that's a good guess as well. It's around that age, I believe. Uh, the correct answer is Byron Gassaway. Oh. All right. Number two. No blood drawn there. We head to the really hard round. Good luck to both of you. These guys, these really hard ones have been pretty much impossible. So uh, if either one of you can hit it, more power to you. All right. Fourth quarter. This is worth eight points. Jackson, this Jayhawk led the conference in yards per punt in 1965. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. You weren't kidding. Um, Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> not not a terrible decision there to just go with a common last name. The correct answer is Bill Lynch. Bill Lynch. Uh, yeah, definitely a, uh, wouldn't have gotten that one either. <laughs> <laughs> for KU. All right, Taylor. If you thought that one was hard, don't worry. This one's going to be right up there as well. This Jayhawk oh, great. led the conference in yards per punt in 1966. Uh, it was Lynch again, man. <laughs> Not a bad guess again. Just go with it. Sometimes we do that. The correct answer, though, is Dave Morgan. How about that? Different punters ended up leading the way. Yeah. I will just like that. We the have the same a, last name as me. I should have just tried that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, we have the, the uh, first overtime matchup of 2023 RCST trivia. So I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, Jackson, I gave you the call on the coin in regulations. Taylor, I'm going to give you the call on the coin here in overtime. Do you want heads or tails? Uh, tails never fails. All right. So it is heads, which means... Oh. Jackson, you will have the option. Let me go over the rules again one time uh, because this is our first overtime matchup. Okay. 
you are going to, now that you have the choice, you're going to choose if you go first or second in overtime. If it goes to double overtime, it will just reverse. So if you go first this overtime and it goes to double OT, you'd go second in the next one. If you do go first, you will pick what category you want to answer a question in. So you can answer easy, medium, hard, or really hard. Then Taylor will go after you. If you answer incorrectly, all he'll have to do is answer an easy question and get it right. However, if you get it right, whatever question you answer, Taylor will have the option to either answer the same category and keep the matchup going or answer one category higher and try to win the matchup. That makes sense? Gotcha. Yep. I would like to go second, please. I'll play some defense. Okay. Taylor, that means you are going first in overtime. What category would you like to answer a question out of? Uh, Let's try medium. Okay. We're going to go to medium for Taylor. This is overtime number one. Taylor. Who led Kansas in receptions with 52 of them in 2022 this past season? Uh, let's go Luke Grimm. Luke Grimm is the right answer. Had 52 of them to lead the way for Kansas. All right, Jackson, Now where the, now's where the uh, decision comes to play. Do you want to try to answer a hard question and go for the win? Or do you want to answer a medium and keep things going? Uh, I'm just going to go with the medium for now. Okay, works out. All right, Jackson, for you. Who led Kansas in receiving yards with 716 of them in 2022 this past season? Lawrence Arnold? Lawrence Arnold is correct. Let's go. Different guys for both. Wow, we got a fun one here. All right, so... Uh, it is tied 15 to 15. We're heading to overtime number two. And now, Jackson, you have to go first. I, I want another medium. Okay. Another medium for you. Jackson, Kansas finished off the 2005 regular season with a 24 to 21 overtime victory to earn a bull bid by downing what Big 12 opponent? 2005. Iowa State? Nailed it. Iowa State is the correct answer. That's the game that uh, I believe goes down in lore that um, they might have wanted to fire Mark Mangino, but he won the game to put them into bowl eligibility, and the rest is history with the Mangino days. All right, that's a big hit for you. You lead 21 to 15. Taylor. Your choice now. Do you want to go for the win in the hard round, or do you want to try to keep this going in the medium? Uh, I'll stick with medium. I don't trust myself with the hard. Okay. Medium for you. Taylor, Todd Reesing had his red shirt removed in 2006 as he was put into his first collegiate game against what opponent? Colorado. Colorado is the right answer. That burned his red shirt. All right. (laughs) We're going to triple OT. So uh, things continue to get crazy here. Jackson, back to you. Same choice. Do you want to go back to the medium? Uh, wait, wait. Don, I get to go to go second now. Oh yeah, that is correct. Good call. Yeah, my bad. All right, Taylor, what do you <laughs> want to answer? Do you want to go back to the medium? Uh, yeah. Let's okay. Stick with it. Let's keep it rolling. Back to the medium. Who led the 2019 Jayhawks with eight receiving touchdowns? 
Oh, man. Ten seconds. Um, I don't think it's right, but I'll go with Lassiter. Lassiter is incorrect. The correct answer is Stefan Robinson. Stefan Robinson, who eventually transferred to uh, Northwestern, but had himself a great year. That was with the uh, Carter Stanley, Stanley, Brent Deerman offense. Okay, Jackson, you now, all you have to do is, I mean, you can go back to the medium if you want extra points, if, if you want to try to flex your muscle, but all you got to do is answer an easy if you want. I'll take the easy. Okay, easy it is. All right, Jackson, Kansas suffered a 52-42 to 42 loss this past season in Norman against what school? Oh. Oklahoma. <laughs> And that's why that was the easy question, and that worked out in your favor there with the coin toss and everything that worked out. So you win in triple overtime by the final score of 24. I don't even know if that, that math is right. Um, yeah, 24 to 21. Uh, Jackson, thoughts on your first performance and being pushed to the limit here? This was great. This is why you schedule the, the good non-conference opponents. It's going to make you better down the line. And we're better for it. And I'm fortunate that I didn't get the question he got in the last overtime because I would have said Kwame lasted or two. So mm -hmm. it was it was a good battle <laughs> all the way. I think Kwame was 2021 when he uh, led the team in, in those regards. Uh, Taylor, uh, crushing loss to lose this way. You obviously showed that, that you know your stuff, though. You got other games to make up for the loss early on. But what went wrong for you today? Uh, you know, just uh, it, getting too mixed up there on uh, – what year was what within the uh, the decade of uh, despair? <laughs> so uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I had some good ones right. So uh, I'm excited to to do it again next week and and try to right the ship here. All right, well, well said for both of you guys. I appreciate being a part of this. That was an awesome matchup so far. The matchup of the week here in week one, and I think both of you guys are going to have a chance to uh, make some more noise moving forward. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you. Wow, triple <laughs> overtime. 24-21 the final score. Jackson wins. All right, I'll uh, just tell you, if there was yeah. a real-life triple overtime game that, went, that finished 24-21, I'd be pissed. <laughs> be like, dude, seriously, triple overtime and you only got 24-21? Well, what did that – remember the – I mean, you see the meme all the time. I don't actually know what happened in the game. Which um, game? Remember the Wake Forest-Virginia Tech game where there's oh, a meme of Frank Beamer yeah, yeah. got the arms <laughs> yeah. up and it's 0-0 yeah. zero zero at the end yeah. of regulation? Oh, yeah. man, do you want to guess what that game ended as? I'm I think it guess, only ended in one overtime. I'm going to guess 6-0. It was 6-3. to 6-3. Three. Six to three. Featured 18 punts, five missed field goals, four turnovers. That's insane. Five oh, no, 6-3 in double overtime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so even when both teams started from their opponent 25, yeah. they still couldn't score a touchdown. My guess is both of them, it was they just probably three field goal. goals, right? Yeah. And then somebody they, missed a field goal. Yeah. That's my guess what yep. happened there. That's incredible. <laughs> what a game. Uh, yeah, I mean... It, 24-21, though, that, that was a fun one. That was a fun one. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that, who knows, maybe that could be the difference between Jackson making the playoffs and Taylor missing out. Obviously, both have time so, to make uh, up for it or did mess we ever, it up. Did we ever clarify this? When it came when it comes to the scoring, since scoring does matter, yeah. it's only scoring Regula in the regulation. regulation. Correct. Yeah, in regulation scoring. Um, overtime scoring is the tiebreaker to regulation scoring, yeah. hypothetically. If like, if they both have one yeah. overtime, I guess, that can be that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, because it's not fair, because then yeah. it'd be like, yeah. well... Jackson had the best round exactly. one by eight points. He scored like, the well, most amount of points possible. Yeah, right.
But still, nine points is actually, in this first week, when things are harder on the really hard, that's one of the better performances. So far, the most points scored, Blake Farrell has 16. Mike Plank, who went in our first matchup, has 10. And then it's a tie between Garrett Hart, um, Kevin Coker, and now Jackson, with, uh, and, and I guess Taylor, too, with uh, nine points. Yeah. So that's been, if you can get to nine, you're putting yourself in a winning possibility. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to get an overtime matchup in, in week one. Those are always a good time. You never know what's going to happen. It's always fun. Well, RCST Trivia is brought to you by McDonald's and Mr. D's Auto Wash. Uh, McDonald's in the Lawrence area, you know about McDonald's. I don't need to tell you anymore, but what about oh, Mr. I, D's Auto Wash? I love McDonald's. Yes, great. Mr. D's Auto Wash is right across the street from one of the McDonald's on 6th Street. You can get your car washed and uh, may, maybe go get McDonald's first because, you know, if you're eating fries in the car and then you go get your car washed afterwards, mm, it's a treat for you. Sense. It's a treat for your car. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We have one more matchup today. It is our top 10 matchup. 10th-ranked Isaac Henderson. Is he too high? Is he too low? 4th-ranked Kyle Coffey looking for vengeance from last year after losing in the semifinals. We get to that matchup coming up on the other side. This is RCST Football Trivia on KLWN. Depend on it. Third and final trivia matchup of the day coming up. It is a top 10 matchup. Isaac Henderson ranked 10th and 4th-ranked uh, Kyle Coffey. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Football trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. Did you know in 2023 it is Johnny's Tavern, Johnny's Tavern's 70th anniversary? Almost messed that one up. Probably already did. Nonetheless, um, they're going to be having a North Lawrence celebration for the 70th anniversary. And there's now 13 locations of Johnny's to be your neighborhood Johnny's from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore, Missouri. All the great food, whether you want a slice of pizza, whether you want some of the mac and cheese, you want some of the buffalo chicken dip, Wilson wings, sweet potato fries, onion rings, everything in between at Johnny's. And you know what the weather heating up. You're going to want that ice cold beer to cool you off. You know, you go after work and you want to kind of refresh a little bit. Try oh, the new yeah. blue collar lager beer. You can only get a Johnny's that is brewed by the Free State Brewing Company. Um, so uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but Isaac ranked 10th. I have no yes. idea what to think of Isaac in this. Yeah, set. the ranking system, the committee, preseason committee, put a number 10. This is like when Texas every year is just like, not this year, but in most <laughs> years, Texas is coming off like a seven and six year and they're ranked 22nd because it's like, look at all the talent, but. Are they going to Texas again? You know. Yeah, but Isaac doesn't have a history of Texas. No, he doesn't. It, it, I'm just saying, like it's it's similar to that in that sometimes you just rank teams based on they yeah. have a lot of talent. I was trying to think of a good metaphor for. Yeah, they have a lot of talent, but they haven't proven it. Is basically yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, or like you know, he's a he's he's I don't know James Madison destroying everybody in F okay. FCS <laughs> comes up and it's like, what is he going to do in this competition? Does that mean he's ineligible for the postseason? No, he's eligible. Okay. No, we are not like the NCAA. We are not yeah. a bunch of uh, losers. Well, Kyle, meanwhile, lost in the semis last year. He was number one going in, so um, that's a this tough first matchup for a, Isaac. Yeah, heavyweight Should be a good matchup. one. Yeah. Should be a good one. We just had a triple overtime. Could this one go to overtime? We're going to find out. Let's get into the matchup between two top ten opponents, Isaac and Kyle. We have a top ten matchup today in trivia. Tenth-ranked Isaac Henderson. Fourth-ranked Kyle Coffey. And uh, this is our third and final trivia matchup of the day. Kyle, I want to start with you. You were our number one team headed into the postseason last year. You were undefeated through the regular season, ended up falling just short in the semifinal round. Uh, going back to what happened there for you last year, obviously overall very successful season. That's why you're ranked in the top five. But how much does that give you nightmares late at night? Or do you think about that late at night, the, the questions that you might have missed and, and fallen short in that matchup? 
Yeah, you know, I, if I uh, remember correctly, it was it was kind of a question that was a little bit of a throwback there, and so trying to uh, to mold a little bit of the um, history of what I remember um, back there. So, uh, kicked myself a little bit because I did have a, su- a successful season, um, but excited for this year. I'm really excited for uh, uh, you know the, my second year. I'm hopefully going to take a Lance Leipold leap uh and go from you know four to number one at this point so uh take it take a good leap there but we'll see uh isaac obviously has the uh basketball uh chops there so uh it'll be fun to to see the football side for sure well that's the big question we've had some people join this who have said they actually like football they know their football more than basketball i think for most people they know the basketball more than football and that's the big question here isaac you're the ultimate unknown in this tournament because you have won basketball multiple times. You're the only person to do that. You've had so much success there, but this is your first football edition. I think Kyle Martin pointed out that you being ranked 10th is like when you have a, a freshman All-American being on the first-team All-American team um, because you don't actually know how it's going to translate, how it's going to work over. How do you feel about your football knowledge compared to your basketball knowledge? Uh, basketball definitely is probably stronger. Uh, just just growing up, learning the history, studying it, Um Football obviously hasn't uh, unfortunately had quite as much there to to go back and, and want to relearn. But um, like I said, it, the ranking will either it'll be proven or, or shown that it was false today one way or the other. So uh, I'm hoping it's the former as opposed to the latter. But I, I, I guess we'll see. All right, well, Isaac, you are the uh, newcomer to football. So I've just been trying to give the new guys the first coin toss. Not that it really matters that much. But uh, do you want heads or tails? Uh, I'll take heads. All right. It is heads. So do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, Rip the Band-Aid off. I'll go first. First it is for Isaac and second is Kyle. We're going to start in the first quarter play. These are worth three points for our easy question. All right, Isaac, who was KU's head coach from 2015 through 2018? David Beatty. Was David Beatty. Some years that we like to forget, but how could you? All right, David Beatty, the correct answer there. You're on the board. All right, Kyle, your first question. What head coach took over after David Beatty? Les Miles. That's right, Les Miles. And uh, I guess at the very least, helped leave the cupboard a little bit full with guys like Jalen Daniels and a few others for this staff with uh, Lance Lightbolt here. Okay, Isaac, back to you. We're going to move to the second quarter. We're tied 3-3. Three to three. This is the medium round. These are worth six points. I got to actually go to my, my uh, Google sheet for this because our last matchup went to triple overtime and exhausted all of the previous planned uh, medium questions for today. Okay. How many games, Isaac, did Kansas win in the 2013 season, which was year number two of the Charlie Weiss era? Go with two. You were one off. The answer is three. Three wins for that uh, Charlie Weiss era. All right, Kyle was holding up the three on his fingers. He he had it down. Let's see if he has this one too. Kyle, how many games did Kansas win in the 2014 season one year later? Uh, That one was, I believe, two. That one was also three. Oh, was that the Bowen when that they won? Almost yeah. upset TCU. Yep. Yeah. 
All right, well, no no, uh, no blood, no harm, no whatever the saying is. 3-3 is the score. We're headed into halftime in the third quarter. This is the hard round. These ones are worth seven points each. Isaac, for you first. After an 0-3 start, Kansas surprisingly earned their first win of the 1967 season on October 14th against what eighth-ranked Big 8 foe? I'll say Oklahoma. Never a bad guess. Oklahoma is usually one of those schools. One of those other schools typically up there when you're talking about beating ranked teams. Nebraska. Nebraska was Mm -hmm. the correct answer there. All right, Kyle, your chance to take the lead in the hard round of things here. Kansas earned three AP Top 15 victories in the 1968 season. One of them came against Nebraska. Name one of the other two. It's just top 15, not big eight necessarily, correct? Yes, it's it could be anyone. Um, we're going to go with, yeah, we're going to go with uh, Oklahoma. We're going to go with Isaac's guess. <laughs> the correct answer is there was one conference foe. It was Missouri who was ranked 13th, and then there was a non-conference foe as they beat 13th ranked Indiana as well. All right, this one a little more lower scoring than maybe the top 10 matchup would indicate, but that's okay. We're headed to the really hard round. Good luck because these have not gone well for people and uh, probably deservedly so. We've made them too hard, but that's how it'll be for week one. We'll get a little easier after that. Isaac, your really hard question for eight points in the lead. The first ever Jayhawk with a 1,000-yard rushing season came in 1950, so 19 from who? Is that? Gotta make it. Is that the? Uh, I'm blank on. Um, is that Stinson? Wade Stinson? Unbelievable. Wade Stinson is the correct answer. I. How, I don't even know. I don't know what to do there. All right, eleven to three. That is our first really hard answer correct. Kyle, good luck, man. See if you can equal it and send it to overtime. The first ever Jayhawk with a 500-yard receiving season came in 1968. What was his name? 1968. Sounds wrong. Um, It's going to be wrong. Um, 10 seconds. It's going to be wrong. Uh, I don't even know. Evans. We're just going to say Evans. The correct answer there was George McGowan. George McGowan, the correct answer. And I, I am still floored. Isaac, how did you know Wade Stinson? Uh, honestly, the only reason is last year I wasn't in it, but I was helping Kyle study. And that was one that I asked and for some reason just just stuck with me. I mean, it's... One of those you just look at it and it's like, I'm sure that'll come up, so store it away for next year, I guess. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Kyle, obviously not the debut that you wanted, but the way that that goes with him hitting that really hard, I, does that make it easier to deal with the loss? I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, it was a little bit difficult uh, in that regard because that was an outstanding poll, and 
the frustrating part too was uh, was just luck of the draw. I knew the medium and mm. the hard, and so it's it's one of those that's just uh, it's it's kind of how it goes. That's what happens with me in basketball. A couple times I, you know, in basketball I had Brian Rainey, and and there was a question in the early nineties, uh, and that's his wheelhouse, and that was not the wheelhouse for me, and so uh, just kind of how it goes. But uh, excited for the potential to keep moving on and, and hopefully maxing, uh, maximizing my points from here on out. So, but great, great pull there. There's nothing I can do with that. Yeah, for sure. Well, that, that is the beauty. You do have a couple more chances to try to work your way back in the playoff picture. Isaac, uh, I think it's clear to say that uh, maybe you were <laughs> underranked at number 10, although, you know, it, falling short on the, the, the medium and hard, but then hitting the really hard. I, I don't understand. That's almost like, uh, I guess you're like the quarterback who, like Jamarcus Russell, you might throw a bad interception, but there's going to be some pretty plays in it at the end. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you both being a part of this. Kyle, we know you'll bounce back. Isaac, we'll see you next week as well. See if you can uh, get another really hard after that. Uh, good job, guys, and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks, sir. Wow. So, Isaac. I mean, Dude, I thought we were going guy, to overtime. I, mean, I thought we were going to overtime. It was three to three. Wow. It was a lot lower scoring than I expected because it's top ten matchup. And then Isaac just pulls yeah, that. This guy, I mean, Wade I just, Stinson. I, I, come I, on. I, what is it? What even is there else to say? Like, what? What are we doing here? What? What? I mean, what is going on? I thought that he was gonna when he was going through names. I was like, okay, nineteen fifty. He's just gonna guess Ray Evans. And then when he actually pulled out the right answer. I was floored. I, I, I'm still floored. That's what I'm saying. Like, how? What? Yeah, you're right. Dude. How is that possible? How Congress did he do this? Congress is having hearings about aliens today. <laughs> they need to be having a hearing about Isaac. <laughs> He's an alien. Well, and he made it interesting, too, because he missed his uh, medium and and, uh, and hard one. And, and you heard Kyle Coffey saying he would have got if it was reversed the other way. Yeah, I now know what the government recovered <laughs> from those UFO crashes. Mm-hmm. They recovered this guy. Well, it's interesting because with Kyle... I, I still expect him to be like a playoff team, but now the pressure's on because he only put up three points in the first matchup. Like, he really does need to do well in these next two. So, pressure's yeah. on from there. Yeah. But we know he's good enough that, that he can uh, easily come back from this. He's like the NFL team that starts 0-2, and they're always like, oh, the, the 0-2 team, only 14% in playoffs or whatever. <laughs> and then it's like one every year, it's does like, bro, it? it's two games. Yeah. Two. Um, but Isaac, man, how high do you think he should climb in the rankings? I mean, if he's the only guy all week that hits it really hard, he's he's got to go. In the right game. now, he's second in total points. Blake Farrell is first. Isaac is second. He's got to go. Still have more game. matchups. He's got to jump to the top five. Okay, I would think. I mean, if nobody else the rest of the week hits it really hard. Now, let me ask you: We are both pollsters in this poll. There are other pollsters as well. Yeah, no. Um, it's a, but yeah. what is your strategy? Are you a a plug in? Are you a slide in? Like, if you lose, you just go down. If you win, you go up. But you can't move if you. Like, if, if you win, you're not going to drop down. Are you one of those people, or are you, like, chaos? I think uh, generally, every week. I think generally if, you, if you win, you shouldn't drop unless somebody that was beneath you also wins, and they win more impressively. So that's my thing, and I think two things. One, I think the preseason poll matters the least, that I am less likely to care about, oh, well, you both won. I'm yeah. only going to have you rise. The preseason poll, it's all preseason expectations. It's not actually real what happened. But I also, here's my thing. If if I have a 90% in a class and you have a 91%, you have a better yeah. grade than me, correct? Sure. But if I get 100% on my next test and you get a 95, you could basically say, hey, I had a higher grade than you. I got an A. You got an A. So I should be higher than you. But my total yes. score would actually be better than you. 
there are ways sure. that you can jump people. That's kind oh, of how yeah. I view it. So, yeah. I, yeah, I think probably will be top five, but it remains to be seen on on what other uh, competition ends up doing. I mean, again, if he's the only guy that hits it really hard, yeah. that automatically it's puts tough. him. All right, uh, RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, and McDonald's, along with Mr. D's Auto Wash in Lawrence. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We got our KU mailbag coming up next on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This will be Nick's last segment. He's going to be out at the uh, Douglas County Fair. He's got to take off. After uh, this one, so you can go on by. He'll be there with 929 The Bowl, our sister station. I think tomorrow he'll be there with uh, 105.9 Kiss. Yep. Same with Friday with, uh, I don't know if you're going to be there Friday as well, but our stations are going to be there throughout the week. So uh, go on by the Douglas County Fair and say hi to Nick if, if you see him there. Okay, uh, our KU Mailbag, thank you to everybody who submitted questions. You can DM us at RCST1320. You can just tweet at us. You can reply to our tweets that we send out every week, reminding people for the mailbag again at RCST1320. You can email us, rcst1320am at gmail.com. If we don't get to any of your questions, don't worry. We'll get to them in a future week as well. So feel free to send them whenever. All right, first up from Richard. Are you team, I, I would just assume this is about Flory Badunga. Are you okay. team Flory Flush or Badunga Dunk? Oh, dude, Badunga Dunk easily. <laughs> Come on, man. Badunga Dunk is just 10,000 times better. It's not even close. You could put anything up against Badunga <laughs> Dunk. Team Badunga. I feel more passionately about this than I did about mm-hmm. uh, Twilight when it was Team Edward versus Team Jacob. <laughs> I feel way more passionate about this. Okay. Team Badunga Dunk. Any other answer is wrong. Um, I'm assuming this question was asked because there's been a lot of, I guess, talk there's about Flo Badunga lately. Yeah, there's been some rumbling. Uh, it sounds like a lot of people are saying that it's like recruiting experts, that it's it's a race between Duke and Kansas. Uh, I believe I think a, Auburn is in on it, too. Yeah, I think there's four schools that are finalists. I will say I've, I've seen some people talk about that, you know, he has a good connection with like Adidas, the Adidas circuit. I believe Kansas is the only finalist of the schools on his list that is Adidas. But also, you know, I've seen some people say Duke is the favorite or whatever. So I don't know what's totally going to happen here. Honestly, this might be dependent on what's the deal with Hunter Dickinson. If you're Flory yeah. Badunga and you're like, hey, I want to be a one and done and Hunter Dickinson comes back for year two. You're and like, well, yeah, that doesn't really work. <laughs> Uh, you know, that doesn't really follow yeah, my so plan. For those who maybe don't know, he's the number two, or is he number one in the class of 124? Is I number think, two or number one? is there some sites that have him number one? I think he's number two on 24 7. Okay. So, you know, number one, number two. So, yeah, it's like him, Trey Johnson are like, yeah. I guess, he's I guess a, he's, he's number a, four on 24 7. He's now. a center. So, yes. That's the issue with KU is if, like you said, if Hunter Dickinson comes back, right. He probably would And not. it's not one of those things where it's like he's. He's technically a power forward that's going to play center in college where he's got the shooting rate. No, like he's like a traditional center. Now, maybe not traditional because he's like 6'8", 6'9", but like what now we view centers as. He doesn't really have like shooting range and stuff, but he's a really good basketball player and seems to fit everything that Bills off wants. Plays really hard with a really high motor, really athletic, plays strong and everything. He'd be a huge get for KU. I don't know how the Hunter Dickinson thing affects it, but yeah. yeah. Anything other than Badunga Dunk, you're just wrong. I you're think literally wrong. Badunga Dunk would be the greatest dunk phrase about a player yes. I can ever think of I since agree. I've been a fan of, of sports in general. Yes. I will say Flory Flush actually does ring really well. And I think if, yeah. if Badunga Dunk was, was let's say his name was Smith or something, Flory Flush would, would actually be really sound good. cool. Yes. But Badunga Dunk is... You can't beat it. No, it's you really stuff. can't. You cannot. You literally cannot top that. No, you can't. Okay, this one from Sarah. Uh, what is the first KU jersey you ever owned? When I was like... 10 or 11, 
so you know when i was 10 or 11 that would have been like the 08 or yeah or 07 08 09 time okay. period so when i was like 10 11 12 uh i had a cole aldrich jersey. oh okay that's yeah, a good one I was a 45 kid. yeah i think that was probably my first ku jersey i'm trying to think i'm pretty sure that's my first okay cole aldrich um which you know if back then you would buy the jersey but you didn't have any names right. because players couldn't make any <laughs> well, money the funny part of that is like if you got a so number I, so I didn't I had a 45 right, Kansas jersey right if you got a number 4 jersey you were set cuz it's like oh you had Sean Collins and then you know yeah. eventually you had Devonte Graham and like you had yeah. a lot of guys that you could be like oh this uh, this guy jersey with 45 you kind of box yourself into a corner there's not as many 45s sure yeah you know? but that's no that's my first that was my I know, first it, one I'm pretty yeah sure. um that's a good one so like I, said, I was like 11 I think no that's fair i uh i was not a Kansas fan growing up i've talked about this before um, so my first KU jersey I bought was in college. Um, I can't remember which one I got first because there was actually one that they gave away. I don't remember if it was a giveaway that they gave students at a KU football game or if it was just like something I won at something they did in college. I don't know. Uh, I got a James Sims number 35 at one point while I was in college. That was the one that was given to me for I free. James Sims wore 29. 29. That's what I'm sorry. I, I I was like in my head. I was thinking Brandon McAnderson and I said James Sims. I don't. There was a mix up there. So Nonetheless, it was 29. It was 29. It was James Sims. Yeah. Thank you for catching that. Um, and then the basketball one I did buy. It was like on sale at the end of the year. It was a uh, number 22, which Andrew Wiggins um, and became something else. I will uh, I will use my wife, though, to shield this question a little because she did grow up a KU fan. Okay. Her first KU jersey was actually a football jersey. She's one of those people who actually likes football more than basketball. And uh, it was a pass-me-down. It was a, from her dad, it was a uh, Charles Gordon jersey with the oh. like the dark blue, the navy blue nice. is one of those nice. was her first one. So uh, I think that's a cool first one to have, too. Okay, uh, this one from Gavin. You can guarantee one aspect gets improved for KU football. Go. This is an interesting question because the, you could go. I feel like you could pick a lot of different things, right? And when we say one aspect, so we're saying like you can't just be like, I want to guarantee the defense gets better. Like you. Gotta, yeah, I think it's, it's got to be specific. specific. Yeah, this a is open ended enough that I could be like, you yeah, could say that I guess, but yeah, <laughs> but I, that's I'd a total. To that's a total cop out. Yes, total cop out. Uh, so if you look at the defense. I think the options there are, uh, you could say, pass rush gets better, which seems like it's going to get worse. But if you're guaranteeing one thing gets better, you could just pick that. You could pick run defense. You guarantee the run defense gets better. You had an interesting stat uh, that we talked about off air with Tennessee's defense last year. Yeah, where they were a bad they were like 126th. I think yeah, they were the bad country. pass defense, but they were a top 40 run defense. Yeah, here's the exact and numbers. They were uh, number 20 in rushing defense, number yeah. 126 in pass defense. Now, do keep in mind they played a high tempo. They were up in a lot of games, so other teams are going to have to pass as opposed to run. But it gives you, you know, at least it gets you in range. They were 35th in the country in points allowed per game. Yeah. In so college football, if you don't, if you have yes. a good run defense, that yeah. ki- that generally correlates with you're going to be pretty good at not giving up. A yeah, and it's funny because I think in the NFL it's the opposite. In the NFL, it is about pass defense first. But in college, there are more teams that have you know average quarterbacks or guys that can't beat you every single play. That it is more to me about run defense. I remember that being a stat for the longest time. I don't know if it's still a thing. But it was it was something for like up until at least like the mid 2010s 
that it was always a conversation about like you have to have a top 10 rush defense to win a national title. Now that's a different level for what we're talking about here with Kansas, but it shows the importance of it in college football. And yeah. there was only like one team who wasn't in like the top 10 or top 20. I think it was like the the 06 Texas team was like 35th or something like that. That that is so important in the college game where, you know, the quarterbacks just just aren't as good. So that would be the one I would yes, go to. Where you do run where in the college game you do need to rely on a little HB dive mm-hmm. more because you don't have any elite Right. Quarterback. Now, this does just say improved. It doesn't say become great. No, I know. So, is there any worry at all that you're like, if oh, you, if you say run defense, it's improved, improved by like and it goes once, from being like 100th to 80th. Yeah. That it's really not that big of a difference. <laughs> well, okay. Or is that? I don't know. A wild thought I was thinking is what if you just picked quarterback play? If you pick quarterback play and the guy was a Heisman contender from last year and he said that's going to be even better, boom. Boom. Right. Yeah, that, that would not – and that's always a fun one, too, when you hear, like I, – I love these hypotheticals with, like, the Chiefs where it's like, would you rather add a stud defensive lineman or a stud, um, you know, wide receiver? And it's like, well, the, the defensive player would behoove them more, but sometimes it's just fun to be elite at something. Sometimes it's just fun to be elite at offense and, you know, to score a billion points and to be unstoppable on that end. So you could convince me just, like, add – even more to the running game, add to the base running game that you're just constantly road grading teams and you're keeping your defense off the field. You're staying on the field longer. Uh, you're able to just run base plays and, and just run up the gut for four or five yards a pop. There's something fun about being unstoppable in that regard. So um, that would be another one. I, you could probably also be like, I think there's a lot of good options. What if you said you were improved as like a punt return unit? You had some troubles with that last year, whether it was like muff punts or not returning punts. Um, if you can be like a good punt return team and maybe get a touchdown or two off it this year and not have those mistakes, like that could be a huge improvement too. Okay, this one from Chris. Have you ever thought about inviting guest players for RCST trivia? For instance, would be fun to have Fran in basketball or David Lawrence for football? Um, so I think the issue we'd probably run into though is just scheduling, right? Yeah, I mean, one would be scheduling. Another part of it, I do think think that there are some guests and I'm not saying this is the case for everyone or those guys and I'm not saying that I blame them for feeling this way so um, please don't you know be offended for me saying this if anybody's listening um, I do think there are some guests that don't want to join something like this because then if they if they're like known as this expert and then they get a bunch of stuff wrong and they don't do well they view it as like, oh, people aren't going to think I'm this expert anymore. I don't think people would view it that way, but I can understand that thought of thinking where you're basically like, oh, I'm supposed to be this historian and all this stuff, and I, I messed up. So I do think there is a little bit of that pride element to it. Uh, beyond that, the, the schedule. Um, also, part of it is, it is just having you know regular fans compete yeah, I mean, against no, each that, other, winning that's, prizes. That's my thought. My right? thought like, I don't want to give a big screen trivia, TV to Fran Fraschella. Yeah, my no thought offense. is... Trivia is by the listeners for the listeners. Right. That's what it's about. Yeah. Now, I will say I actually have um, had David Lawrence submit questions to me, like off air. Like, yeah. I, I last year. Um, I remember, yeah. We David used submitted questions. several questions for me where I would be like, hey, if you ever think of any questions, like send them my way. And he would. Yeah. So there are some questions that have happened before and maybe are still going to happen that are like David Lawrence submitted questions. So, like, I, I do the same thing with some other guests and, and other people that, you know, I think know their stuff and um, that basically they have an input that way. 
maybe it'd be fun to like get them to like record some questions and have them be guest questions in that way. But then again, like, does that really matter whether I ask it or they ask it? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe for the championship, it'd be cool to be like, hey, uh, here's a question from, I don't know, this player or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah. No, dude, it's it's by the listeners for the listeners. To right. me, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, for sure. Okay. This one from Adam. With the renovations going on at the football stadium, what is one feature you'd want to see added to the project? Could be something in the stadium or around it. Hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't know, honestly. I mean, bathrooms—that's a priority. <laughs> Add some bathrooms, which I'm sure they will. Uh, but in terms of like other things, I mean, listen, me personally, when it comes to this stuff. I just don't really care, to be honest. Like, as long as the stadium, as long as there's areas for, like, tailgating to create a good, like, pregame, game day type environment, as long as there's, like, not issues with, you know, fans getting into the stadium, like, long lines and stuff like that, long lanes, long lines for, like, uh, concessions and things like that, or bathrooms. So as long as it's built in such a manner to where the flow of traffic throughout the stadium is easy, there's enough concessions there's enough bathrooms there's enough of all that stuff it just it's functional mm-hmm. and there's and you can and it creates a solid game day environment that's really all i care about to be honest i don't i don't really need any fancy anything crazy i don't need any as long as it's functional you can get in and out of it easily there's a solid game day environment and there's enough uh, amenities in terms of like quality of life stuff like bathrooms concession stands things like that you know, access for people with disabilities, access, all that kind of stuff. As long as all that's in there and it, it's, it, it's, you can move around easily and doesn't feel super congested and there's not long lines for stuff and there's a good game day environment, I don't care. I'm sold. Yeah, I, I, I mostly agree with you there. The, I, one thing I would add, or I don't know, a couple things. I know you have a big gripe with parking. I, I do have a big gripe with parking. But, well, I'm fine with it as it is. I, I think it's fine. I don't think it's great. But I'm fine with it as it is. My worry is that if they get rid of some of the parking spots to build this other stuff, it's already just kind of fine. Does that make it bad? Uh, nonetheless, but as it stands right now, um, you know, I'd be I'd be for something that some way that you could get like, I don't know if it's food trucks or little restaurants that you could get food, beer or something like that. Let's say if you're not at a tailgate and you're just walking in, you're walking around the stadium before the game or maybe some sort of uh, better area because it's I don't know, it's it's not the most um, for fan friendly in terms of getting like your pregame beer and nachos and all that stuff not just like if the lines are long there's not a ton of options for it in game it can take forever to go through that stuff uh but also like maybe tables somewhere places that you could go stand eat something like so that you could go into the game earlier than most people do which is like right at kickoff uh that might make some sense i think it also makes sense which this is something that it sounds like they are doing um i'm a very big fan of the like added luxury suites and just all the types of suites they're going to be adding. There were like three or four different types that they were going to be adding. Um, Not that I'm living some high, you know, roller life or something that I'm going to be getting, you know, like a suite every game. But there have been times where I have been like, you know, it'd be nice to like maybe get a suite like once every few years and go to a KU football game and be in a suite. It's really cold out. And, um, you know, you're having like a big family get together. You have a bunch of friends out. Like, it'd be cool to just have a suite and I'll pitch in on it and, you know, do that experience one time. Right now, the because there is a limited amount of seats, I, I believe that or, or amount of suites, I believe that you can only get into a suite if you have season tickets for the suite. So it's not really family friendly to or, or fan friendly to be able to. That is 
done. Right, just be like, I want to book it for one game or something like that, which that kind of stinks. But it sounds like they're adding to that, and that's going to get better. Um, I think that's something that's really cool. You know, I know people too, like in uh, immediate family that um, like they have like medical or or health things that they can't sit on a bleacher seat. Like they have, you know, back issues or, or whatever. They can't sit on a bleacher seat for three hours for a game. But if we're able to get a suite where they're able to be inside and they're able to have like a cushy chair somewhere inside, like then they can go to the game. And it's, it's great to be able to do that if you could do that. Like, you know, you bring your family and friends and kids and, and whatever else you have. Like, I'm a big fan of that. And it sounds like they are doing that. So, uh, yeah, those are the big things. I don't know, like a gigantic Jumbotron. Like, that's cool. Honestly, the biggest thing for me, too, yeah, beyond all that is that. I do not want them to inhibit the view that you get of the hill. Oh, yeah, no. I think they won't do that. I'm pretty I don't think they will either. Yeah. Both in terms of but being like, able to see some yeah. of the game from the hill and being able to see the hill because it's such a beautiful sight from Memorial Stadium. Okay, this one from uh, Ike. This is to you specifically. Oh, me? Yes. After seeing both, are you Team Barbie or Team Oppenheimer? So I really I'm I love history. I was a history major at KU. I'm a big history guy. So going in, I knew that I would probably enjoy Oppenheimer more because it's a historical movie. It's it's got a lot of things stuff that I enjoy. But I did like Barbie. Uh, Barbie. It was first of all, it was not what I thought it was going to be. It was not. It's not at all a movie where like you take like your young child to it. <laughs> it's actually it's it's pretty serious. There's there's a lot of underlying stuff involved in it. But overall, I did enjoy it. Uh, and with Oppenheimer. It was not, there was, I thought it might be slow. I know that was a concern. You told me too, that you thought it might be slow. It really wasn't slow. It really, there really wasn't any slow parts to it. It actually, the pace of it was, it moved along pretty nicely. Uh, Murphy, the lead, the guy who plays Oppenheimer was fantastic. Uh, there was a lot of great scenes involving, you know, different sa- the sound and stuff with, which Nolan is kind of known for, uh, which was cool. Uh, so I think I liked Oppenheimer better, but it's not because I didn't like Barbie. I thought Barbie was actually pretty well done, too. And I think Barbie is a type of movie where I feel like the more you, if you watch it again, you'll probably pick up on a lot of stuff you may have missed the first time you watched it. That was my impression. So it might be a movie that's worth a second watch. Okay. With Oppenheimer, it was great. Just uh, I Because, again, with the historical side of it, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Uh, I have already have pre-ordered the book of, that it was based off of off Amazon, so I'm going to read that. Uh, because I like the history stuff. So I like Oppenheimer a lot. Okay. That's good. And then uh, last one we got here from Bryce. Pick a KU football newcomer who will be the best player in 2023. So the best newcomer, so it can be freshman or transfer. Devin Phillips. That's a good one. He'll probably be one of their best defensive linemen, starter up the middle. Big dude, um, big dude from Colorado State. You know, I, I thought yesterday, going back to the interview we had with Kevin Flaherty, he mentioned Demarius McGee possibly turning into a bigger player. Yeah, that Is would that be something we've kind of slept on that just because they have all their starters back, yeah. Kalen Gervin's back, that like, I mean, dude, oh, every, it'll yeah, just exactly. be those three. Every time you have a discussion with the secondary, it's, oh, Kenny Logan, oh, Kobe Bryant, yeah. oh, Melo Dotson. What if Demarius McGee does just become usurp yeah. uh, like Kalen Gervin, and he's yeah. one of your top three corners, which basically is a starter. That one could make some sense. Um, I mean, Patrick Joyner is just a you very also, big unknown. I mean, if you really believe in Logan Brown, you could pick Logan Brown. If he ends up, be, if, yeah. I mean, if he ends up being, if he ends up day one, game one, being your starting tackle, left tackle or right tackle, yeah, and then he and then he does really really well, that could be the answer, right? I mean, Gage Keys, Austin Booker have a high ceiling. Uh, it's tough to do with any like the. Does JB Brown do anything for you? He does. I am really high on him, but I think it's going to be a longer process. Like. 
maybe more next year, maybe toward exactly. the middle I of the season. I think you have to look year. at guys that are going to be like game one starters. Right. To which, Devin Phillips. Is Devin Phillips the only one? Is Devin Brown. Phillips, I'm sorry. Is Devin Phillips the only one that you feel certain about will be a starter? Of right the now, today, yes. But obviously going into going into fall camp, I mean, would I be shocked if Logan Brown starts? No, no. not at all. Would I be shocked if Demarius McGee is a, plays more? No, not at all. Nope. With Jamie Brown, I kind of have to agree with you, though. I think it's – I don't expect it to be like a game one he's going to make a big impact, but maybe by like game four, game five, game like middle of the season, he'll be – Having more of an impact. Yeah. I think you nailed it, though, with your first answer. Devin Phillips seems to be the one. He is wide. He is athletic. He'll help them stop the run. He's an experienced player, he older is a player. Big boy. He is. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our KU mailbag. Hit us up with any questions for next week at RCST1320 on Twitter. Tweet at us, DM us, reply to a tweet, whatever. Or uh, email us, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. For Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter rcst 1320 am at gmail.com that's rcst 1320 am at gmail.com and if you want to listen live 3 to 6 p.m central time monday through friday on klwn klwn.com and the klwn app have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast